Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Pastor Howard, we are just plugging along through this wonderful lesson on the book of Psalms. So much, so much to cover in the book of Psalms. Mm -hmm. And before we dive into the substance of this week's lesson... we have a show and tell this week, don't we? We do. (laughs) Just literally this day, we received in the mail to our department a nice, not only a nice letter, Mm -hmm. but it came with this wonderful piece of hard work, a puzzle which is the memory verse puzzle from one of our dear church families here. I I can see people thinking, well, I could do a puzzle like that. That's not a thousand-piece puzzle. No, it's only a hundred-piece puzzle. But there is something attached to this that makes it extra special. And I just want to read a piece of this letter. Dear Pastors Howard and DeVazier, at Burlington SGA Church, we are making a real push toward memorizing adult Sabbath school memory Mm. verses. God's people said amen. We have about 12 regular attendees in our Sabbath school class, the youngest of whom is 55 years of age, the oldest over 90. To help encourage people to learn their memory verses, we have started a program in which we all work together to put together a 100-piece puzzle. Each correct memory verse earns a puzzle piece glued down, and it goes on to talk about how they did it. And There's a strategy behind this. It's really interesting. But it goes on to say, fourth quarter 2023, just our previous lesson series, is the first time we've completed the entire puzzle. It represents 100 memory verses memorized, many of them by our oldest member, Agnes. Congratulations to that group. And they say, in 2024, we will be doubling down on our memorizations. And it goes on to say how they're going to have extra credit verses. Some Mm. people can do all 13 from the quarter right in order. So I want to thank the Burlington SEA Church for their creativity and their diligence. And um, what a creative, fun idea. We're going to post that on our Michigan SSPM Ideas and Resources page. If you haven't followed along with that or on social media or any of those kind of things, please do because we want to share these kind of fun ideas and praise the Lord for the Sabbath school work that's going on out in the field. God bless you folks at Burlington. Amen. But we now have to dive into the substance of this week's lesson, Lesson 10, which is titled Lessons from the Past. Mm. Uh, Pastor Howard, repeatedly in the book of Psalms, there is reference made to God and God's people's actions in the past, yes. whether it's from starting with creation or all the way through the history from uh, God's calling of, I mean, well, we get into it, but just the past is a central piece of the thinking of the psalmists, and it takes a, a, a prominent place in their writings. So we're going to explore that a little bit, why it is and what's the relevance to us well, why don't I pray, and Please then you do. had put together our talking points. You can walk us through those, and we'll dive into it. Okay. Gracious Father in heaven, we're so thankful for your word. We thank you for the book of Psalms, the prayers, the hymns, um, the many blessings, the histories as we're going to look at today. We pray the spirit of truth would guide us in our study of your word, and, and Lord, help us to leave with a practical understanding of how we can be more faithful to you in all things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My one week, I mean, my one sentence little review is this. This week's lesson explores the prevalence and relevance of psalms that recount sacred history. So if you were to go through those 150 psalms, I don't know how many of them allude to things from the past or God's deliverances, but I'm going to go ahead and step on a limb and say it's a lot. Uh, This week's lesson, each day, they highlighted a different psalm that recounted sacred history. For example, on Sunday, it was Psalm 78. Monday, it was Psalm 105. Tuesday, it was 106. Wednesday, it was 80. And Thursday, it was Psalm 135. Which, just to be clear, we talked about this. You could take a psalm like Psalm 106 and spend the whole lesson. It's, It's packed full of great 
history of God's people. And yes. you even made a point that uh, Sister White talks about. Yeah, there was a statement in about and the talking about Psalm 105 and 106 how we Sister White encouraged us to read those psalms every day, right? <laughs> that there's a different fresh lesson that we could draw for our lives each day as we read these psalms. So Clearly, this is not an exhaustive covering of all the record of history, but there are some things we want to draw out. Now, for the first time in my recollection that I've ever put together talking points without specific days, like this one thought came out of Tuesday or this one came out of Thursday, the thoughts that I'm going to bring out in these talking points came from every day of the lesson. There were some threads that ran through every day's lesson. So you're going to see that in our talking points. Talking point number one. God's record of faithfulness inspires praise. Okay? We're going to, again, that comes from Sabbath Mm -hmm. all the way through Friday. Same is true for talking point number two. Sacred history reminds us of our spiritual shortcomings. Sinful shortcomings. I'm sorry. (laughs) I should make sure to... It it could be a spiritual shortcoming. It is a spiritual shortcoming, but it's sin, and that's what a spiritual shortcoming is. The point is that you take talking point number one and it talks about how great God is. Talking point number two reminds us of how not great we are and how we need Mm -hmm. God in our lives. But that all culminates in talking point number three, that we are writing the closing scenes of sacred history now. Mm -hmm. That sacred history continues to this day, and we have the privilege and responsibility to write the final chapter by God's grace. Mm. All right. All right, so let's talk about number one. God's record of faithfulness inspires praise. The psalmists, and again, we whether it's David or any of the other lesser Asaph known, whatever, or Ethan the Ezraite, they consistently look at the history of God's people to draw inspiration for their psalms, right? And right. the lesson, so 105, 106, 80, 78, 135. And it was hard to think of a couple of phrases where you could just give an example of that, but I put a couple in the lesson. Why don't yes. you read Psalm 78, 2 through 4? Yes, it says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. So notice he's saying, we heard these from the generation before Mm -hmm. us, and we're going to keep writing them down and keep telling them because it's important for successive generations to know them. The same thing is seen in Psalm 105, 1, 2, and 5. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing songs, psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. So it talks about as you praise God, the content of those praise can really be informed from the record of sacred history that the scripture provides. So the psalmists aren't just once in a while alluding to it. They're saying, no, no, this is the this is the substance of our praise. As we think back on what the Lord has done, it just draws out of us this thankfulness, this gratitude, hmm. this note of praise. And another point that wasn't necessarily brought up in the lesson, but I had to draw this out, is that when we talk about the history of God's leading, it doesn't always have to be in ancient times with the corporate church, like the nation of Israel or the, or the family of, of Abraham or something like that, that we are each walking through time with an experience with the Lord that we can look back on how he has led us individually, right? Mm-hmm. 
For example, there's a couple of Psalms, and I have them in those. Why don't you read those for us? Psalm 13 and Psalm 66. Psalm 13, 5 and 6 says, I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And notice he's going to sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me personally. Yes. Same thing as Psalm 66, Psalm 66, 16 says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Mm. So again, the lesson didn't draw that aspect out, but I wanted to pinpoint that when we talk about sacred history, mm-hmm. it's not always about the creation story and Adam and Eve and then the calling out of Abraham and the descendants there. All of that is rich and bountiful, but we are living histories of God's miracle working power. And as we look back on our own life, we should be able to sing praises to the Lord and say, Lord, you have protected me. You brought me into this circumstance. You brought me through this thing. I will sing of your praise from my own experience. Well, those are though the Bible's full of those kind of experiences. Immediately it comes to my mind, David, before uh, he goes out to face Goliath. Mm. He, he, he recounts the experience with the lion and the bear. Yes. In other words, he, he's basing, it's not a, he doesn't have to guess mm-hmm. at what God's going to do for him because he has an experience with the Lord. Exactly right. And you have repeated ex, uh, examples of Israel setting up memorial stones in a certain place. Yes. You know, we're going to go, we're going to set up a stack of stones. Or what do they do? But it was just a memorial so that they would, when they pass by that way, when their children pass by that way, they would be reminded. And they, they you know, we can, we can set up memorials within the context of our lives in different mm-hmm. ways. Just reminders. Some people journal things out that God has done for them or, mm-hmm. or you know, keep bookmarks and keep this, that, and the other. But just ways to, to remind us of God's faithfulness mm-hmm. in his leading. Because when you do face difficult times, you, you can tend to forget those. And Absolutely. those rem- reminders can be helpful. And there's, there's inspiration for us. Like you're talking about journaling, or you can keep a prayer log of the things that God has done for you and the evidences of his care in your life. And it gives you calm and comfort and, and inspires praise. Mm-hmm. Um, the lesson brought out this. Um, in order to truly praise God, this is from Monday, paragraph four, God's people need to know the facts of their history. History provides both validation for our faith and countless reasons for praising God. That you, you think about it, if you don't have anything to draw from in the past, then your your experience with God would always be theoretical. It would be like, well, it says it, I guess, yeah. and I hope it works out. But when you can start to lay that foundation and recount it, you get more and more confident going forward. I think of Malachi where the Lord says, now prove me in this, you know, test me in this. The whole idea is if we don't prove him, if we don't test him, if we don't step out in faith, we'll never have those experiences. It will always be theory. So the Lord even pushes us towards experiences so that we'll have a history Try it out, write it down, and keep Mm -hmm. track, right? And I was thinking of one of the more famous statements, and this is from Life Sketches, page 196, and right. it's quoted in other places, where Sister White talks about, and we nothing know the part about nothing to fear the future. Right, but why don't you read the statement, the, the words before that, right? Yes, it says, In reviewing our past history, having traveled over every step of advance to our present standing, I can say, praise God, as I see what the Lord has wrought. I'm filled with astonishment and with confidence in Christ as leader. That's so neat. She's like, as I look back and I see his, I am filled. It just naturally happens with astonishment and confidence as Christ as leader. And then she turns to the future and I have nothing to fear for the future. Right. It it, it would almost seem to be um, expected 
it should be expected. But, you know, it's not like as I look back at Christ's leadership, I say, man, he could have done better there. You know, you would never be... And, and it's, yeah. it's laughable, it is laughable, yet the way we act sometimes is as if that's true. It's like, well, I don't know if the Lord's going to, based on what? Yeah. And as she's recounting, she's saying, there's never been a single time I can say he could have done any better. Exactly. And that's why the sacred record of the Psalms, and they, they start singing and they start praising, because as you look at the history, you can't yeah. help but be filled with that astonishment and confidence. Now, the flip side of that comes in talk point number two. That sacred history reminds us also of our sinful shortcomings. So in the same, the same historical record that gives us confidence in Christ yes. and, and, a, and a love for the Lord should also give us some well-deserved humility about mm-hmm. our own strength and our own abilities. Because time and again, sacred history is, while it shows how good God is, it also highlights how not good Absolutely. we are on our side of the covenant. It's often been said that one of the strongest evidences of the Bible's accuracy is that it records the failures of its heroes. That's so true. You know, I mean, what other book? If you get a hero, it's like, no, no, don't tell that part. Leave that part out. <laughs> yeah. But they're there because the hero of the Bible real. is God. Amen. Amen. Well, in Sunday's uh, paragraph one, it says... The so re- it's not the failure of that hero. It's the other so-called <laughs> heroes. Yeah, He's the hero of the scripture. Amen. The reviews of Israel's past highlight God's faithfulness and Israel's unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. They also should teach coming generations not to repeat their ancestors' mistakes, but to trust God and to remain faithful to his covenants. And that's kind of a, an, an allusion that, to that what... Sunday paragraph one. Yeah, I did say that. I think okay. I said that. Mm-hmm. But I like that part. They should also teach coming generations. Like, the purpose of writing this down isn't just, well, that's interesting. That's academic. It's interesting, trivial pursuit <laughs> facts, yeah. you know. No, it's we're going to do something with that, and by mm. God's grace, we're going to overcome those shortcomings and finally meet God where he wants us to be, and yes. that is in victory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, once you read this, uh, Psalm, 78. Psalm 78, this section there, 73, uh, 37 to 39. Uh, Psalm 78, 37, the, their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. I think that's so interesting that inside the psalm, as Mm. they're recounting history, there's some commentary on it and says, now, notice that they were awful. Mm -hmm. Time and again, they would fall short. But God remained faithful through all that. And so even the shortcomings of God's people are an mm. opportunity to see the compassion and mercy and power of God. Yes. The same thing is seen in Psalm 106, verses 7 and 8, where it says, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that mm. he might make his mighty power known. That God superintends not only the good things that happen, like, oh, clearly that worked according to the plan, so I'll be the God over that, but even the shortcomings and failures of his people, he's able to turn into a praise and glory of his name and demonstrate his goodness through that. Amen. So the more we learn of sacred history, the higher our estimation of God goes and the lower our estimation of our own strength comes. Mm. Now, this next statement that I have included in the notes and I'd like you to read comes from... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's EP. I, I think it's Eternity Past. I think I it's from remember. Eternity Past, yes. And 
it wasn't in the lesson. It wasn't in, in, in any of the notes that I saw. But as I was looking through some inspired comment, this this little statement really jumped out to with me. This yeah, section, it matches this so nicely. Point. The Bible has little to say in praise of men. Mm. All the lessons of the Bible his, of Bible history teach that it is a perilous thing to praise men. For if one comes to lose sight of his entire dependence upon God, he is sure to fall. Mm. The Bible inculcates distrust of human power and encourages trust in divine power. Right. So I think that's so cool that the same mm. storyline, that's it's just objective history, the lessons that we draw out always tend towards the uplifting of God and the humility of man. Yeah. And that's exactly how it should be, right? That's the truth. Well, because if it didn't, and we were led to trust in men, we would always fail. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it may be, well, it's kind of, why does he got to always point out our weakness? You know, because, yeah. because if we're led to trust in man, it's our certain downfall. Yeah. Uh, what did it say? If one comes to lose sight of the entire dependence upon God, he is sure, sure to, to fail. Right. Or so fall, yes. imagine if we didn't, if his scripture didn't recount those or we didn't keep fresh in our mind the ways the Lord has led us in our own mm-hmm. past and corporately in the church's past, in, in, the, in the larger right. past, we would not, we would simply not have any hope of success in the future. That clearly it's the blood of Jesus. And I, I get that. And I'm not saying, well, a knowledge of the past will therefore ensure your future. But th- there's a critical role of understanding the way that the Lord has led us mm-hmm. that informs us not only of their experience, but it corrects and guides us into the future God wants us to have. That, and that's kind of where I want to go with this final talking point, that all of this talk of history, the lessons we can learn about God's goodness, the distrust of human power, it was all written for a purpose that God is trying to guide the trajectory of human spiritual development to final victory in Jesus. How do I say this? The, the course of human history is not always, God is great and we're awful and that's just it. And mm-hmm. He's just going to keep you. That he actually wants to use this to truth to elevate, humanity. to elevate humanity, to bring us back, to restore us. You know, you look at all the different things of scripture and spirit prophecy talk about the restoration of the image of God and man, the return to this Eden ideal. God does as one teaches like, I'm always good. You're always bad. Now learn that lesson. Right. No, I can make you good. Well, it's the whole lesson of the incarnation. And it's sad when people are like, no, he just came to die on the cross. No, he took humanity mm. to show us what God's ideal was. And by uniting his divinity with humanity to, to draw humanity up yes. and, uh, and raise humanity. He, he honored humanity, Ellen White says, mm-hmm. by taking it. It's just fascinating. Absolutely true. And so God intends that people not only learn it, but learn from it and apply it in their lives and have a different chapter written as the book continues. Because the reality is we're, mm. we're still writing sacred history now. And that's kind of where I want to yes. go with this final point, is that we are writing the closing scenes of sacred history now. That, And I know I've gotten caught up in this in my life, that I think that I'm just an observer of the world sometimes. Like, oh, there's what happened in the past, and there's scientific, oh, technological advancements. It's interesting to be living this time, and there's that thing. But I'm a part of this yeah. flow of history, too. I'm not just an observer, uh, you know, incidentally or coincidentally. I'm an actor. And, and I think that a lot of Christians have lost sight of the fact that maybe it's because of the ubiquity of media that we're always just watching something else mm-hmm. happen or observe. 
that we're consumers, but we're actually producers of reality. That we are, I don't want to get waxed too poetic about it, but the point is that we're not just innocent bystanders in the stream of history, just looking at things and learning, and then we'll just pass to our grave, that God actually intends us who are living in the present to be writing a new close to this. Absolutely. Anyway, yes. for example, let me let me mm-hmm. give it a historical reference. For this. Flesh this out a little In bit, Acts chapter we? 7, <clears throat> Stephen, one of those seven deacons, right, was standing before the Sanhedrin, about to become the first Christian martyr, and he's mm-hmm. recounting Israel's history to the leaders of the Jewish people, right? And he is going over the history of how God has led, just like the psalmists have done, right? And he then appeals to them, you now are, you're the, you're the present truth manifestation of this history of Israel. You can see what they've done in the past, right. but you can make a different thing. And, and it is finally, thing is a look, just look and live, mm-hmm. right? Just take this opportunity. But of course, we know in this instance, sadly, they do the very thing that the previous generation has done. They, re, they reject the prophet of God, the, the, the messenger of the Lord. In fact, they reject the Messiah himself. Right. And thus, sadly, write the next chapter, which is the same song, second verse. Mm-hmm. Another generation has rejected the Lord. Right. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Stephen says these words, As your fathers did... So do you. Mm. Now, when we were talking about this, you brought up in how in Acts chapter 13, yeah, the verses, Apostle Paul kind of alludes to this. Verses 26 and 27, very similar. He says, Men and brethren, son of the, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. Oh. <laughs> so it's like you had the opportunity to learn from this history. It's read to you every Sabbath. You study it for your mm-hmm. life's goal. But when it comes down to your opportunity to do something, you do the exact same mm. thing and thus fulfill it. And that's the, that's the tragic side of not yes. learning those lessons is that you are doomed to repeat them, right? But... Paul goes on to write, this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, mm-hmm. how these records were, quote, written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That God has written down this sacred history, not that we just, every generation is faithless, and the next one's faithless, that someday God wants a faithful generation. Yes. That you, these are written so you, implying <laughs> that we can learn from these yes, things and, and that's not the whole point of writing the them. mistakes. Yes. The self-evident appeal, these are my words now, of sacred history mm. is for the final chapter be, to be triumphant as we learn from the past and follow Christ by faith. That someday there's going to be a mm. people who will learn the lessons. Why don't you read seven, Psalm 78, yes. 5 through 7 there. Psalm 78 verse 5 says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. I love it. It's like we've taken mm. these on and we're passing them on mm. to you and that you'll pass them on to the next generation. Why? So that by God's One grace, day there's going to be a generation. Who keep his commandments. Yes. That's the whole point. 
And as the scripture unfolds, you know, we have creation in Genesis and the history through Old Testament and the testimony of Christ and the apostles and acts and going forward. And they're all saying mm. the same thing. Learn these lessons so that someday God will have a people who will actually be his people yes. and keep his commandments. Right. Mm. Then you turn to the last chapter in the book of Revelation, not the last chapter, the last but the last book. book of the Bible. And you see that finally there is a description of this remnant people who well, according to Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Amen. Now, I, I don't know about you, Pastor Howard, but we know where we're living chronologically in Bible prophecy, right? We know that we're not living back in the time of, uh, of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, or right. even pagan Rome, or even you consolidated paper Rome. It's divided mm-hmm. Rome now, and we're going to have the... Um, the wound is, is starting to be healed. We're, we're seeing these end-time events. We know we're in the toes of time, as has been said over and over. And I want to go back to that point that we are not called to be mere observers of these things. Like, well, look at that. Look where right. we are. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> and, and we're just going to comment on it till we wait to go to our graves. Right. Like, that God is saying, this is your time. Take up the pen of your life and write the final chapter in faithfulness. And so when we read mm. Revelation 14, 12, and other passages in Revelation that allude to, here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Someday, God's going to have those people who are restored into Him, and who do keep His commandments. And to me, that's the most inspiring, and the whole point of writing down sacred history is that we'll learn the lessons, apply them, become the people God wants us to be, and hasten the coming of the Lord. Amen. Well, Sabbath Afternoon's Quarterly, paragraphs 2 and 3, says the special appeal of the historical psalms is that they help us to see our lives as a part of the history of God's people and to claim that past as our own. The final goal is to realize that each generation of God's people plays a small but significant part in the grand historical unfolding of God's sovereign purposes in the Great Controversy. Mm. I don't know about you. Of course, I know about you. I can speak for you, too, that you want to be part of that generation who says, Lord, I want to learn the lessons and not just watch them go by and until I inevitably fall down to. Right. But Lord, help me to stand up and be faithful, not on my own, but through that great power of God, make us faithful. Amen. Keep the commandments. Why don't you give us a word of closing prayer? Gracious Father in heaven, we, too, want to be a, a part, a faithful generation, Lord. We want to learn from the mistakes of the past. We want to learn from your sure mercies and your uh, powerful promises that through Christ we can be new people, new creatures, and Lord, we can fulfill the purpose that you have desired and created us for. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would bless us to this end, bless those who are studying the lesson this week in their classes, um, we pray that the, that your spirit will work so powerfully in our lives that people would get a new glimpse of Jesus through us, mm. and they too would, would uh, aspire to living the Christ life. We ask and pray all of these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.